living life in light of eternity. This has really been one of my favorite seasons to speak into. Um, and I, today, I just I feel that uh, Tracy and I haven't even talked about my message, uh, what I felt like was the real central point, but she actually got up and said that. And I just know God really wants to help us move past our past. I, I really know God today wants to serve notice on some things that have entangled us with a perspective that holds us back from all God wants us to move into. And so I'm just going to announce that and declare that right up front as we move more into today's title, God's Point of View. And I'll just remind you one more time, those uh, handouts will no longer be in books that pass. Pick them up on your way in, and um, this is it for that. So uh, starting into August, no more books with uh, cards in them. Um, God's point of view, the eternal perspective of God. Think about this, the eternal perspective of God. What is God's point of view on my situation? What's God's point of view on a doctor's report? What's God's point of view on my finances? What is God's point of view? How many know God has an opinion? How many know God seems to rarely get to share his opinion because we're so busy with our own disposition and perspective. And he's constantly wanting to break into our mindset and attitude to introduce us to his point of view. Whenever we embrace God's point of view, then we begin to see things from a different light. Jesus constantly looked up. It was the first week of, of living from an eternal perspective. Before he fed the 5,000, there's this point where he looks up into heaven. It's like he's inviting God's point of view into the situation. Before Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus looked up. It was like he's inviting God's point of view into a situation. God brings provision. God brings life in the place where there's death. And I believe that today God wants to awaken that within our hearts. It's your first blank if you'd write it in. We are equipped with the mind of Christ to be able to live from God's point of view. To be able to live from God's point of view. So what is God's point of view? I've, I've wrestled with this myself to try and really have some sense of understanding. And, uh, I, you know, the Bible actually says that as the heavens are above the earth, so are God's ways above our ways. Has you ever read that verse? So what does it mean? We, we get a, a little bit of a picture then of how we can understand God's point of view if we can understand the heavens above the earth. How many of you fully understand the heavens above the earth? Can I just say you figured out the heavens above the earth? Nobody. So now we see a little bit of a parallel that God's ways are so far beyond our ability to comprehend that even what we understand is very limited and in confined spaces. God's constantly wanting to break in more and more. But let, let's, let's get the picture of this, how high the heavens are. First, I want you to see how big the earth is. How many of you know the earth is big? Anybody know how many miles around the earth? It's just under 25,000 miles around the planet. And so here's the great big earth picture of the earth kind of in the solar system that we live in. Start some comparison of some planets is what I want to take you into. So how many know great big earth? Little bit of you, right? Great big earth, little bit of you. And then, then we go to the next view. This is kind of wild. Look, that's the earth down there. Great big sun, little bit of earth, little bit of you. Like perspective, continue, and then it, it goes on. And the next one we see, this is like, I mean, look how little the sun is in comparison to Arcturus. And, and then you can't even hardly see the earth. So it's like great big planets. And then the next one, you know, we all love Betelgeuse, right? And so here's, here even continues to grow larger and bigger and great big Betelgeuse. 
little bitty son, little bitty earth. Right? I mean, this is a perspective. And then we go beyond the magnitude and size of these planets into the galaxies, and, and we see, like, where does it end? How many of you know we don't know where it ends? How many of you know God's wisdom has no end? And so, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways above our ways. And it's only pride and arrogance that would cause us to have any sense of feeling that we really don't need God's perspective in our situation. And it's not that we actually come to some active resolve, it's just that we step into a place of self-sufficiency and self Self-sufficiency is pride. Self-sufficiency is the absence of a place of prayer, inviting God's help and assistance. Self-sufficiency is when we just simply go on making decisions, doing the things that we think we ought to be doing because we, we got this, we got this. And you understand, you don't. You need God. You need God's perspective in every decision you make. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because an opportunity comes your way doesn't mean it's an assignment from God. Opportunities are distractions if they're not a part of the assignment that God has placed on your life. Very important that you understand that. Very important that I understand that. Very important that we, there's power in the pause. If you'll pause before you make a decision, and in that place of pause, take time to pray, then God's power gets injected into the situation. So I'm, I'm laying all that out so that you kind of get the picture of where I want to go today with uh, Jacob and the story of Jacob in Genesis 28, very famous story. Most people have heard of Jacob's ladder, whether they attend church or not. Many people know the great theologian who wrote the hymn, Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin, and, and this whole thing. Do you all not know who that is? <laughs> <laughs> You threw me off my game there just a little bit. And so, uh, so stairway to heaven, you know, this is, the, this is Jacob's ladder, and this, that's what that, that picture is all about. But in Scripture, in Genesis 28, this is Jacob, and this is the thing that I, I would just want to point out to you, is Jacob had this incredible experience. We're aware of the experience. We understand what was taking place typically with a few ingredients of the story. But what you may not be aware of and what you might not have concentrated on to get a Full, a fuller picture and context of what's taking place is Jacob was in a horribly desperate place. Jacob had deceived his father and betrayed his brother and was now running for his life. This is what's going on in Genesis 28, where we're about to pick up and read in, in Scripture. But you need to recognize and understand, he, he deceived his father. His, his mom actually motivated the action. And so he kind of came by this deception naturally. His uncle, Laban, is a deceiver as well. It seems to run in the family, you understand. There are those circumstances in time where some people, they only know how to get things done by way of manipulation and deception because it's all they've ever known all growing up in their life. And in those situations, this is where Jacob speaks to us. Jacob, his name means the deceiver. Jacob speaks to us, even in the location of where this takes place, and he renames the location on purpose, then we start to see some really amazing insights revealed in this story. And I want to point you to the blog. I had um, way more information in this than I'm able to preach into today, but we've written all of that out, and you can kind of go and see some of the things that I'll make mention of as we look through this particular scripture. So think about this. It's nighttime. 
Uh, Jacob is on, on the run for his life. He's afraid. He's exhausted. He's made a mistake. How many of you have ever made a mistake before? Can I just see? How many of you made a mistake and it was uh, calculated and meditated and you purposefully met, did a wrong thing? Can I just see? Um, you know, it's easy to say I made a mistake, but then we kind of have to think through what that really looks like in our lives. Jacob purposefully, intentionally did something he should not have done. And now exhausted, confused, searching for any form of stability in this moment in his life. Verse 11, Genesis 28. At sunset, Jacob stopped for the night and went to sleep, resting his head on a large rock. In a dream, he saw a ladder that reached from earth to heaven, and God's angels were going up and down on the ladder. The Lord was standing beside the ladder and said, I am the Lord who was worshipped by Abraham and Isaac. I will give to you and your family. You hear a little family dynamic going on here. This is important. I'll give to you and your family the land on which you are now sleeping. Your descendants will spread over the earth in all directions and will become as numerous as the specks of dust. Listen to this, your family will be a blessing to all people. This is such an important revelation for us today. You might be desperate, discouraged, not understanding. God is trying to reach not only into your life, but to establish your family, your home, your, your life, and your legacy in the promises of God. Verse 15, wherever you go, I'll watch over you. Then later, I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. I will do all I have promised. Jacob woke up suddenly and thought, the Lord is in this place, and I did not even know it. That's a really important statement, isn't it? The Lord is here and with me in my desperate hour, and I had no idea he was actually with me at this time. When Jacob, verse 18, got up early the next morning, he took the rock that he had used for a pillow. He stood it up for a place of worship, and then he poured oil on the rock to dedicate it to God, and he named the place Bethel, meaning house of God, Bethel that it had been named Luz. Jacob solemnly promised God, if you go with me and watch over me as I travel, and if you give me food and clothes and bring me safely home again, you will be my God. This rock will be your house, and I will give back to you a tenth, a tithe of everything that you have given me. This is such, uh, it's just so rich on so many levels. But I, I want you to understand a few things about this. Just this week as I've been reflecting on and asking God just to help me see some things, his point of view and all of this that I can talk about his point of view to all of us. Our God is a God who can show up even when we are not where we need to be. Our God is a God even when you haven't been having your prayer time or devotions or you've been missing church. He's a God who can show up in a moment when we're so frustrated and disappointed that, we, disappointed that we've actually grown somewhat despondent. The scripture actually says, when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he can't disown or betray himself. That is such an incredible promise that we see in scripture. God is so good to us. Aren't you glad God's good? Here's, here's Jacob 
utterly despondent, completely exhausted, and even when your faith goes to sleep, God is still at work. And that's exactly what happened as he laid his head on this rock and came to the realization, you know what? God has been here the whole time. Now, the rock is significant. You probably uh, can figure this out by just reading the story and realizing this is not just a, uh, some rock. It's a significant monumental moment where he takes the rock, he sets it up, and pours oil on it. What do you think that might symbolize? The anointed Christ, the anointing, the oil poured on the rock, Jesus Christ, that will redeem our lives no matter what the circumstance may be. I just want to encourage you today, take your weary head and place it on the rock of Jesus Christ at any moment in time and see if heaven does not open to your heart and your life, and suddenly you will find yourself saying what Jacob was saying, surely God was right there with me the whole time, and I did not even realize he was there. Come on, let's clap it in. Let's just declare it. God is with us. Why don't you celebrate the presence of God in every moment of time? Celebrate the presence of God in every circumstance that you face. Jesus really does dwell in the hard places with us, and he's not dwelling there to leave us there. He's dwelling there to take us further, not just in our own lives, not just so we can be blessed, but so that we can actually expand in our family and our family be blessed. And your family is more than just natural. Your family is spiritual. Now, I, I hid this back here so nobody would play with it because I know how some of you are. But this week, I bought the earth. And I, I thought to myself, uh, you know, 24 or 25,000 almost miles around. And I was pondering, uh, you know, I've shared the story when I was at the Dream Center um, in Springfield that we're connected with, Pastor Tony. They've had some of their students here. And, and the students started singing that chant song. Many of these students have just been out of prison uh, a year or less, um, crazy background situations. And like they're on fire for God, passionately awakened spiritually in this ministry. And, and they're just up there and they're, they're you know, going for it and they're singing this chant that says, we're gonna change the world. We're going to change the world. And they're like singing this chant so forcefully. I'm just like, I'm standing there looking at them thinking, I, I'm pretty convinced. And then the worship uh, person leading worship began to, to change the chant from we're going to change the world. Now say, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. And, and I was really motivated in that moment as I ran up on the platform and grabbed a microphone. I'd been there ministering for a few days, and so I had a connection with them already. And I grabbed the microphone, and I said, you guys are singing, I'm going to change the world. But the world's a big place. Do you really believe you're going to change the world? And man, the room suddenly kind of deflated with, you know, the hope started kind of escaping out of the room. Like, I'm the guest speaker, and it's like, I'm questioning, do you really believe what you're saying? But the fact is, I wanted to know if they really believed what they're saying, because I think one of the big mistakes we make in the church is we don't help people understand how to connect their gift and their life to their song and their dance. And then there's this disconnection where we're like making these abstract declarations, never really understanding how to walk this thing out. 
And what I said to them is, you're probably not going to change the 25,000-mile globe, but what you can change is your five-foot circle everywhere you go. I am going to change the world. You get near me, and you'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged. I'm going to offer you a smile. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to encourage you. Why? Because I want to follow after the ways of Jesus. Anybody within this five-foot circle of my life, I want them to experience the love and the life of Jesus Christ. It's pretty important that we understand Jesus doesn't just want to make you free. He wants to make you a freedom fighter, not just for your generation, but for generations to come. He doesn't just want to make you free. He suddenly wants you to have this five-foot circle world around you at work, every day, everywhere you go, your, wherever you get Petro for your car, wherever you go shopping, wherever the restaurants are. Take the time to get to know the names of people. I think Jesus would do that. This is making a difference in your five-foot circle. Don't just live your life chasing through life, dashing through here, dashing through there, never paying any attention to the people right around you God's entrusted to your care. Five-foot circle. This is your world. You ever heard, welcome to my world, right? Somebody says something, you're going through a difficult time, and you kind of identify, welcome to my world. I want to just challenge you, let's let the blessing be the declaration. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world where the presence of God awakens things in the hearts of people. Come on. Welcome to my world where Jesus is alive, where you're going to experience the love of God. No matter what you may be walking through, you can count on the fact that I'm going to be a person who dwells in the presence of God. That's just a lifestyle that God wants us all to learn. God's point of view. God's perspective. It's a great verse, 2 Corinthians 1. Uh, the message paraphrase of Scripture says it this way. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Isn't that just a beautiful portion of Scripture? I just love that. Like, he's with us when we go through hard times to teach us how to be there for people going through hard times. That's what the whole plan is, to transform the five-foot circle. So I'm going to do a couple things uh, as we draw some conclusion today. One, um, I want to commission you. You know, we, we really do want to uh, mobilize people, not just to be hearers of sermons, but to be doers of God's Word. That's why every week you see in the bottom of your little handout... GP2RL. We bring God's presence to real life. That's what we do. That's our actionable conclusion. So this week I want to challenge you, bring God's presence to real life by inviting God's perspective into your life every single day as we search for ways to bless other people all around us everywhere we go. That's your action point. And with that, I, you know, I think it's important sometimes that we just celebrate some of uh, the, the things that God's doing within our church family. And I want to just acknowledge, um, first I want to acknowledge Alyssa Gasway. And I think I've, we've got a picture we can pop up. Lovely Alyssa, and we want to celebrate you. And I know you're embarrassed and you don't want me to bring a lot of attention in your direction. But I happened to find out this week, Alyssa, uh, what grade are you going into? Senior? What? How'd that happen? So, uh, going to be a senior this year. She just was recognized this week with a national recogni recognition, a national award. Um, I wrote it down so I would get it right. Uh, 
the Teen Impact Award for Excellence in Volunteerism. And so we are so happy and appreciate you. Come on, that girl's got a five-foot circle. And there are a number of things that she does in uh, volunteering, but uh, she volunteers in the hospital weekly, following after her mom's hospital uh, involvement. Uh, and and it, I, isn't it amazing, like this morning, I watched as... Um, their whole family is back there preparing food, and we do this summer program for families that, um, that you know, they have free and reduced lunch during the school year, and then in the summertime, they don't have that program going, and so we want to provide that food, and many of you help support that and sponsor that. Thank you so much for doing that, and thank you to uh, Crystal, who really stepped up and has organized a team for that to happen, and what I want to say is Jeff and Crystal are sitting right there on the fourth row. Aren't they lucky? to have a daughter who wants to serve. I'm saying the same thing I said earlier today, and before we celebrate how lucky they are, let's just be reminded of what it is I'm trying to say. The more we serve God, the more we serve God's family, the luckier we tend to be that our kids are going to be engaged. How many of you believe your kids are going to be better off in their marriages if they'll serve God and be involved in church? How many believe that? Let me just encourage you. Let me encourage you. Serve God and be in church. If you want to see that with your kids, then be that for the example that they're watching because it really does change everything, introducing them to God's perspective from a very real and tangible way. And then the other thing that I want to just celebrate, I'm going to walk you through a picture progression. And um, I'm going to share the progression, but I'm going to invite Jay and Jen, if you guys will come. They're going to give you guys two microphones as you step up. But go ahead on the picture progression. I want to introduce you to Darnie, and some of you know who Darnie is. This is, uh, this is Callum taking his mom and dad, Jay and Jen, to India uh, to pick up Darnie. And here they have arrived and are in India, and that's, I think that's right. That's where you were uh, meeting and embracing. And then here they are bringing her home. And this is a little bit of the life that we've seen here as we see, she was dedicated in September 2018. Um, we've got other family pictures, birthday celebration. I've been stalking them on Facebook, by the way. I loved this. This is when uh, Jen posted this and said, Darnie had never seen snow before. That was her first moment to experience snow. And she loved it for a few seconds, and then it was cold, and she went back in. And then uh, here they were celebrating Easter together as a family. Here they were uh, as the superheroes that they are. And then uh, Darnie was actually under construction. And I love this picture because it kind of spoke of the surgery construction that was about to begin taking place. We've celebrated this progression with them and are so excited, so happy. She graduated from kindergarten here, casts on her legs. But then just recently, she got those casts off. She's been walking and doing so well. Now... For perspective, this is a picture of her as an infant. And so this is really amazing. And I just want to say our last picture, we love you guys and you are heroes in this family. And we appreciate the example that you've set as Christians that have challenged our faith <clears throat> to reach out and do something from the heart that makes a difference in the life of another person or in your case, many people leading a group and involved the way you are. 
But I know that you have some special friends here, and we have them set up in the lobby with a booth. And um, so I'd like for you to share, just uh, introduce who they are, and maybe anything you'd like to share about the journey that you've been on. which is where Darani lived um, from the time she was four months of age. That picture that you saw of her as a baby is the first picture that we have of her, and that was taken shortly after she came into care there from a state orphanage. Um, and we were fortunate enough to be missionaries for a period of our lives. And during that time, we served at Sarah's Covenant Homes for a, a tiny little blip of a week. And in that time, I met a 23-month-old little girl who could not walk. Um, could not stand independently and had not said her first words. And there had been a team there serving and she had no interest in them, but when I walked into the room, she scooted to me. And over the course of a week, I saw this little girl um, say her first words ever in any language, and they happened to be in English. And um, God told me that she would one day be our daughter. And her name was Darnie. And none of that made sense to me. We were poor missionaries with no income, no home, no stability of any kind. And um, we came back to the States and embarked on a journey that was filled with many, many obstacles. And every time that it looked like every single door was closing, um, God just surrounded us with such a cloud of witnesses that would speak a message of hope when we need it, that would give us a prophetic word when we needed it, that would give us money towards our adoption when we needed it. Um, and this church family was a huge, huge part of that and a huge, huge blessing to us, and we can never express our gratitude. Um, but during the, all of that time, that three and a half year wait to actually go back to India to meet our daughter, um, it, the wait was so much easier because she was at Sarah's Covenant Homes. She was at a place where she was getting surgeries that she needed. She was getting proper medical care, proper education, good nutrition, love and nurture. She was attending worship services and having daily prayer meetings with her foster family. And our wait was easier because we knew that our sweet girl was getting care. Um, and we didn't have to worry that she was being neglected or harmed. And um, Sarah's Covenant Homes is such an important part of that. And so we fully believe in the gospel-centered work that they are doing there. Do you have anything to add? Uh, <clears throat> just saying that, like this is like saying, just pastor talks about his legacy. And it just, just speaks to the legacy of, of um, families and the legacy that Destiny's family has been to us, the amount of answers, prayers that God has had in the last two years in our lives through last summer and going to get Darnie and this summer, of the surgeries and the healing that he's uh, brought to, to her life and to our family is just um, an incredible um, blessing because of the Destiny family. And that's all of our answered prayers have been because of being in this family and what God is doing here and uh, in and through every single one of us here at Destiny. And I just want to say that um, through Sarah's Covenant Homes, the biggest blessing that has been to our entire, to our family is just the ability to, to, to love Darnie and her be able to receive love because she received it there. She understood what love is because she received care and love during her first five years of life. So I think it's uh, significant, we go back to verse 14, your family will be a blessing to all people. How many believe Darnie might herself one day be a missionary? Who knows the impact this little girl is going to have? And so let's then broaden this and I say your family will be a blessing to all people, all of us as a family. 
And we, uh, I just want to acknowledge, and I invite you to stop by out here as you conclude, just to get a look at what's going on. We have watched the support structure that's been provided, the vision that exists for this particular ministry. And uh, today we're going to present this ministry with a thousand dollar check to say, we believe in you. We believe in what you all are doing. Thank you so much for your heart, for these children who desperately need families, connection. And I want to invite you because we're also going to begin to sponsor this ministry monthly as a part of missions. And we have multiple missions expressions that we're a part of. We don't talk about them as much as we should, but maybe that's about to shift as we step into this next season. Uh, but as you give, bring your tithes, your offerings, we'll be able to give even more so as we walk all of that out. I want to ask you to stretch your hands toward the Danleys. And Father, I just thank you. Um, I thank you for the example that we have right among us. The, the families that are loving and serving and giving on an everyday basis in many, many ways. And Lord, I thank you for this example that we're able to celebrate today, to be inspired by, to be encouraged by, and to recognize, Lord, you're wanting to deepen every one of us with a greater hunger and availability to see your kingdom expand in the earth. Lord, do that work in our heart, I pray. Do that work in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you guys so much. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Would you just join me in a moment? We're going to just press in and worship the Lord. But I want to just ask you, before we do anything else, would you just... Open your heart. Just open your heart for God to deposit something of His point of view and who He's called us to be. For you personally as a man, for you personally as a woman, for your family dynamic, for our church family, Lord, I thank you that when you speak your word, you put substance in our souls. And the world around us is filled with all kinds of ideologies that lack substance. They lack merit. We're inundated with self-serving ideas 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It's just the culture in which we live. And there are so many people right around us, even within our reach, within our five-foot circle, that simply need our embrace, our love, our encouragement. Out of those five-foot circle conversations, maybe there'll be some more trips to India or China or other places in the world. Maybe some trips here in the U.S. for foster care, for adoption, for different needs. Lord, whatever each of our assignments are, I pray that you would help us just to have that sense your guidance and direction every step of the way. And we thank you for the perfect example of Jesus who came out of the most comfortable circumstances of heaven in a posture of being completely worshipped and adored to be utterly inconvenienced and sacrificial so that our lives could be better. Help us to see that that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we acknowledge 
You're the Savior of the world. Lord Jesus, you're the Savior of the world. You came to rescue us from our sin, to redeem our lives, and to release us as a part of your team in the earth, the kingdom of God expanding in the earth, motivated by love. We acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, he's the Savior. Why don't you just give him praise if you believe Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. We bless the name of Jesus today.